Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. I am only going to read one quick verse. If you'd stand with me for just a moment. Say, why do you want us to stand if you're just going to read one verse? Because I need to reset your seat clock. I'm going to set for a little while. I know you're only good for about 25 minutes before that thing winds down, alarms. So i got to get it reset here. So, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this. For the love of God constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray this morning, Lord, help me to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and to say the things, O oh God, that you desire for me to say today to this congregation that they might hear, O oh God, and know the love of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We hadn't been at this church a whole long time. <clears throat> Whenever we had a couple come in and get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and and they were growing in the Lord and working in the church, and God was using them, um, and they got expecting a child, and um, as it went along, the child received bad reports. But in our church services, we kept hearing the Lord say that the child was going to be born perfect. The family was receiving reports that this child had a DNA syndrome situation that it would probably be born with missing body parts or some children were born with only one eye in the middle of their head like a cyclops. and Many, many, many terrifying reports and they'd even, I believe if I'm not mistaken and I don't think I am, they'd even recommended that the child be aborted because it was going to be so malformed but in our congregation, we kept hearing the Lord say the child was going to be born perfect. We kept hearing that. We kept hearing people say the Lord, the Lord said that the child, the doctors are going to be amazed. We, we heard it over and over and over. And some of you were here during that time, and you probably remember all that. And we heard it over and over. It seemed like every service we heard something about this child being born perfect. Now, in the midst of all that being born perfect... I interpreted that meaning being born completely well because they told this family that there was no way this child could live. And I interpreted that as being born completely well. Well, when the time came for the child to be delivered, it was born perfect. It had all its hands. It had all its fingers. It had its feet. Feet. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> all its internal organs were fine. Everything about this child was perfect. The only thing the child did not do was take a breath. He never did breathe. And because of that, he was stillborn. And we stayed in the delivery room with this family for over two hours, three hours, praying, anointing, rebuking death, doing everything we knew to do, waiting for the promise of God to come to pass. But after about two and a half or three hours in the delivery room, it became obvious that it, he wasn't going to breathe, and he died. I, um, we happened to be, have a motel room that night. It just happened to be 
that the uh, Mighty Warriors Conference was that weekend. Our teenagers were already at the Grace Community Church down there at the center, and we were going with them, and we had a motel room. We got into the motel room that morning. I guess it was about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning when we finally got to the motel. The next morning, Kathy and I got up. The teenagers were already at the Warriors Conference. We, we got up, and we went to breakfast, and while we were at breakfast, I told Kathy, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I can't preach another sermon on healing. I can't preach another sermon on deliverance. I can't preach another sermon on the power of God. I, I, I can't preach. I, matter of fact, I don't, I don't think I even want to preach anymore. I don't even know what I believe anymore because I was so confused and upset about the event that had occurred. I said, I'm done. I'm through. My wife, in her wisdom, didn't say anything. She just said, okay, okay. I cried. I wept. I, I was ready to turn my license in. I was done. I was going to come back here and resign. I, I, was, I was through. I was embarrassed. I was upset. I was disheartened. I was hurting for the family. We went over to the Mighty Warriors Conference. I walked in there. Uh, I saw a, one of the leaders of the youth. I walked over there, and I, when he said hello, I couldn't say anything. I just started weeping and collapsed on the floor. Not knowing anymore what I believed. Everything I thought I believed was, was, brought, was busted. Everything I thought I knew was done. There was, there was every, every foundation that I had ever built my Christianity on had been destroyed. It was, I was done. I was through. I, I could never do this again. I knew I couldn't. And that day as I sat on the floor there at the Mighty Warriors Conference, while everybody else was shouting and rejoicing, I was heartbroken. And I determined that moment that I, I just... I, I wasn't going to preach anymore. Just wasn't, I was just going to go to church, be a good church member, live out my life on a pew, helping a pastor somewhere, but I, I wasn't going to preach the gospel. But somewhere between that Saturday morning and that Sunday morning, God showed up. And I stand here today before you not because of anything, not because of something somebody said, not because something somebody did, not because of, of my great faith, which I had none at the moment, not because of any other reason am I standing here before you today, not for any other reason am I still in the ministry, not for any other reason will I still preach divine healing and salvation and deliverance and power and anointing and preach it with a conviction and know that God heals and God sets free and God delivers and God empowers and God fills with the Holy Spirit and God saves. I don't preach that thing today for any reason other than the love of Christ. The love of Christ. I preach today because I love Jesus. I stand here today and I tell you that Jesus Christ heals because I love him. And I know that he's not a liar. And I know that he tells the truth. And whether I feel like I'm worthy to be behind this desk or not, whether I feel like that I'm sufficient to be behind this desk or not, whether I feel like that I have any power or any authority or any business behind this desk or not, that doesn't matter because the love of Christ is what put me here. The love of Christ is what put me here. 
The love of Christ is what has you in your situation right now. And I'm going to tell you, there's, there's days that I go home, there's Mondays that I come up here, and I wonder why in the world does this church continue to let me stay here? There's some Mondays I come to work and I think, my goodness, why, why aren't we seeing the things that God is, is, has promised us? Why aren't we seeing this? And why isn't this happening? And why isn't this going on? And, and, and I'm going to tell you that we go door to door one Tuesday a month. And I'm going to tell you that every Tuesday until I set my seat inside the seat of that van and put it in drive, I'm ready not to do it all the way up to that moment. I have to make myself go, go pick that, Sarah picks up the food and the stuff, but I have, to, I have to go and make myself pick that up. I have to make myself go out there and put it in the van. I have to make myself get in that van, and I have to make myself start to drive it. But once I put it in gear, the love of Christ <laughs> begins to come alive in my heart, and I realize I'm not doing this for Oak Grove. I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for this church. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this. I'm going out. I'm knocking doors. I'm allowing God to use me for one reason and one reason alone, and that is the love of Jesus Christ constrains me. He drives me. He pushes me. I don't come to church here because I preach here. I don't come to church here because there's no other church I could go to. I hadn't been run off from all of them. Just one or two. <laughs> but I come here this morning because the love of Christ constrains me. I'm going to tell you, if you're not in this church this morning because the love of Christ has got you here, if you're here this morning for the music, if you're here this morning because you like the preaching, if you're here this morning because you like the setup, if you're here this morning because it's convenient, if you're here this morning for any other reason, I'm going to tell you that there's going to come a day when some disaster is going to hit your life and it's going to hit you so hard that you wonder whether or not you'll ever come back. I've watched it. I've seen people. I've, I've been there. I've been there. I've watched it. And, and if you're coming for any reason, you can come, become so drunk on worship music that you think that's all there is to serving God. You can become so drunk on preaching that you think that's all there is to serving God. You can be so drunk on running a department or being a part of the Rangers or the Missionettes and, and, and focus on that to the point that you think that's the only thing there is to serving God. And I want to tell you this morning that all of those things are going to pass away. There's going to be a day when the music changes again if the Lord tarries. There's going to be a time when the preaching changes. There's going to be a time when things change. And when those things change, if you're not here for the love of Christ, then I'm going to tell you, you're going to want to quit. I have watched people. I hate to say by the hundreds, I think that's too much. 
but probably by the tens, probably up to 100. I have watched people come in, get saved, get their lives cleaned up. God put their marriages back together, put a jingle in their pocket again, get them on their straight and narrow. They're walking in a good place. God's touching them, advancing them, making them something in the, he's, he's giving them everything they wanted. I've watched it and, they, and some little something happens. Some little something doesn't turn out right. We used to have a gentleman that came, he came for probably two or three years. He sat back there on the back pew. His, his Bible sat in the, the thing for a long time and God touched him. God saved him. God turned his life around. God gave him back his job. God was prospering him. He was moving forward in the Lord. He was here at every service. I told him one time, I said, you can, I said God's moving you so much, buddy, you need to get off that back seat. It's too close to the door. You need to move on up a little bit. You know, just joking around. I was just joking around with him, you know. But he, he, he worshiped the Lord. He was doing good, enjoyed talking to him. Real man of God, real doing really well. And he, I came to church one day and his countenance had fallen. He looked sad. I said, what's the matter? He said, I tried to renew my relationship with my ex-girlfriend and she rejected me because she said she didn't want to come to church. I said, then tell her bye-bye. He said, but I love her and, and the Lord gave me a promise that she would come to church. You better watch out for those promises. I know God gives us promises. I know that. But sometimes I can talk to me. Did you hear me? Sometimes I can talk to me. Sometimes in my prayer time, I can want something so bad that I can convince myself that it's me talking to me. I have had the Lord speak to me, and I told him, get thee behind me, Satan. Sometimes I don't always recognize the voice of God. Now, I will say this, that the Lord kept saying, that's not Satan, son, that's me. You just, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, and, and, and I figured it out. But sometimes it's me talking to me. And if you start making yourself promises, well, the Lord said he's going to save my children. Did, did he? Well, the Lord said I was going to get a new car. I'm going to get a Mercedes. Did he? You know, you got to be careful. You'll end up talking to yourself sometimes. And, and he was so convinced that God was going to give him his, his ex-girlfriend back who didn't want to come to church, who was living in sin, who was already had a boyfriend, who, who, who was in drugs and alcohol and everything else in the world, but he just knew God was going to give him that. That when she didn't come back, he walked out. And I want to tell you, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, you're going to have frustrations. In this world, you're going to have disappointments. In this world, you're going to get slighted. In this world, you're going to get shortchanged. In this world, it's not going to always come up roses. In this world, you may have a word from God, but, but that word from God may not look like it's coming to pass. Or a lot of times with me, it comes to pass in ways that I didn't expect it to. You're, you're going you're gonna to have these things. And I'm going to tell you that if you're trying to live on what you feel like the Lord's telling you, and if that's all you got, then there's going to come a day when you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have to, I start to say you're going to walk out. And you will. If that's all you're here for is what God can do for you. Because I'm telling you, Jesus didn't die on the cross for what God could do for you. I said, Jesus didn't die on the cross for what God could do for you. 
He died on the cross so I could have fellowship with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He died on the cross so that I could become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. He died on the cross so that his blood could wash away all my sins. He died on the cross where I could, he could redeem mankind because when he rose on the third day, and he appeared in the holiest of holies and he presented his blood. Then the Bible says that he became the propitiation. First John, the second chapter, the propitiation. You know what that means? That means he became the perfect sacrifice to satisfy all the judicial commands, the demands that God had made to redeem mankind from sin. It was all found in Jesus Christ. When he presented his blood as the son of God, it was perfect blood, not tainted with mankind. When he presented that blood in the holiest of holies, then man became redeemed. You said, how do you know he became redeemed? Because in Acts chapter 2, it says he poured out the Holy Spirit and they spake in other tongues and it fell upon a redeemed mankind. John 7, 37, Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I go away, then I will send another comforter. But I can't send that comforter till I go away. Why did he have to go away? Because he had to redeem mankind. And once mankind was redeemed, then the power of the Holy Spirit was available to me. Glory to God, because today I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's the love of God that constrains me. It's the love of God that keeps me coming to church. I, I come to church because I love to come to church. I don't come to church because we're having a service. I come to church because I love to go to church. When we go on vacations, and you don't have to do this. I'm not telling you you to do this. I'm just telling you what I do, okay? When we go on vacation, if we're going to be going over a Sunday, we find some place to go to church on Sunday morning. That's what we do. You don't have to do that. I'm just telling you what we do. I don't do it because I'm a preacher. I do it because I love to go to church. Some people like to hunt. Some people like to fish. Some people like to watch wrestling and think it's real. <laughs> and some people, like to, some people like to go to church. It's the love of Christ that constrains me to be in this house. It's the love of Christ that puts me behind this pulpit. It's the love of Christ that puts me teaching Sunday school. It's the love of Christ that brings me up here. It's the love of Christ that causes me to want to go door to door. It's the love of Christ that causes me to want to go down and preach in public across from the dollar store. It's the love of Christ that causes me to want to see people get saved. It's the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ. Paul's on his way. In Acts chapter 19, the Lord says, you're going to see Rome. So Paul says, I'm going to see Rome. He starts telling people. Well, now he's on his way back from, from uh, Corinth, and he's coming back. And when he starts to get to, he, comes, he, gets, he gets to Troas, and when he gets to Troas, they meet him out there, and, and he begins to be told by the Spirit that, if, that when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be, you're going to be put in, in stocks and bonds and, and afflictions and pain awaits you. So he leaves Troas and he, he goes down to Caesarea and he meets Philip the Evangelist there. And, uh, there's, a, there's a guy there named uh, Agabus. And Agabus takes Paul's girdle, his, his sash, wraps his own hands and own feet with it, and he says, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall they do to this man that owns his sash when he arrives in Jerusalem. 
And everybody says, what are you doing, Paul? What are you, where are you, what, what are you going to Jerusalem for? Everybody, everywhere you go, they're, they're telling you that you're going, to be, you're going to be put in bonds. You're going to be afflicted. There's going to be trouble there. What are you doing going to Jerusalem? And Paul said, I'm going to Jerusalem because that's where God told me to go. I'm going to Jerusalem to meet my brothers, to celebrate a feast. I'm going to Jerusalem because three times in Scripture it says that Jewish men are supposed to go to Jerusalem. It's the Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and Pentecost. They're supposed to be there. I'm headed to the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going there to do homage to my country. And they said, but don't you know, whenever you get there, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be put in bonds. You're going to have trouble. You're going to, there's, there's, there's hardships that await you, await you. And Paul said, I'll go. I'll gladly go and die for my country. Why would I die for my people? Why would he do that? Because the love of Christ constrained him. By the way, he did get to Rome. It took him five years or three years to get there. Three years, that's right. Took him three years to get there, but he did go there. And he went on an all expenses paid trip. The Roman government paid for his mileage, paid for his voyage, didn't have to come up with that. But what am I telling you? I'm telling you that if you're serving God for any other reason than the love of Christ, then you're gonna, you're gonna be disappointed. There's gonna be days you wanna quit. There's going to be things that hurt so bad that you just cannot figure out how did, how did this even happen? Lord, I'm serving you. This shouldn't happen to me. I'm a child of God. Lord God, I'm, I've been walking with you for all these years. I've been doing everything you've told me to do. I've been faithful to you. I've been paying my tithes. I've been, I've been funding missionaries. I, I've done everything. How, why is this happening to me? I don't understand this. Why? Why? Why am, I, why am I being tempted to go back into the world, Lord? I, I, I've got away from that. I don't have that in my life anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm faithful to your house. Why is all this pull trying to pull me back into the world? I want to tell you, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have pain. You're going to have suffering. It's not going to work out right every time. It's not always going to be right. But I want to tell you, I'm going to keep marching. I'm going to keep going forward because the love of Christ constrains me. I'm going to keep preaching because the love of Christ constrains me. I'm going, to, I'm going to keep trying to win this community for Christ because the love of Christ constrains me. I'm, I'm going to keep doing, you know, and as long as I'm muddying the water, I might as well keep muddying it. I, 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 as, as a pastor, pastors can do whatever pastors want to do. It's their business. They they can do what they want to do. But I just want to tell you as for me, myself, as long as, as, long as somebody shows up, I will continue to have Sunday night services. As long as somebody shows up, I will continue to have Sunday night services. And I continue that for one reason not, not because I'm old school, not because I'm stuck in 1947, not because, I, not because I'm I, I, any other reason, any other reason, then I just cannot stand to give up 52 opportunities for somebody to come and get saved, healed. On Sunday night services, we've seen baptisms, we've seen healings, We've seen the glory of God fall. There's been some nights here on Sunday night services where for 20 minutes nothing's said. 
the glory of God just sits down in this place. And pe babies don't cry. Everybody's quiet as God pours his love. And I just don't want to give up 52 opportunities to receive that. And I'll go on to say this, that if you all quit coming, if you all quit coming, I will continue to go somewhere and preach on Sunday night. There's lots of street corners. There's lots of city parks. Why? Because the love of God constrains me. I can't just give that up. I can't just say, well, look here, I get a free night. Hallelujah. And they're not cutting my pay. And I get to have a free night. I can't do that. It's just me. I know I'm weird. I got it. I, I know. It's my mom's fault. She raised me this way. I'm strange. If you think I'm strange, you should have been in my house growing up. It was really weird. We went to, anyway, I'm just telling you today that when it feels like the rug's been pulled out from under you, when you feel like that all your friends have left you, when you come and you think everybody's talking about you, when you see your name on Facebook maligned and people saying bad things about you, when, when, when it feels like that it's never going to change and you wonder why in the world do I continue to go to church because no matter what I do, nothing changes. It's all the same. I, I, just, I just don't know why I continue to do this. Then I want to tell you why you continue to do it. You continue to do it because you love Jesus. It's the love of Christ that keeps you coming. It's the love of Christ that keeps you praying. It's the love of Christ that keeps you reading your Bible. It's the love of Christ that keeps you laying hands on the sick and expecting them to recover. You say, I've never prayed for somebody that's recovered. Well, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep pressing. Keep knowing that it's the love of Jesus that's causing me to do this. Because anything else is going to leave you empty. Anything else is going to leave you disappointed. Anything else is going to leave you dry. Anything else is going to make you feel like you're not making any headway, like you're wondering, why do I continue to do this? Because it's the love of Jesus. Paul said the love of Christ constrains me. 2 Corinthians was written during Paul's third missionary journey. So he's already been to Lystra and been stoned. He's already been beaten at Philippi. The Bible tells us by 2 Corinthians, he's already taken five times. He's taken 39 stripes. Three times he's been beaten with rods. Twice he's been shipwrecked in the deep. It goes on to tell me that he's always under the, under the pressure of perils and storms and perils of waters and perils of flood and, and taking on the, the, the cares of all the churches and, and trying to do everything that Paul's doing plus missionary work. Paul, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians the 11th chapter all the stuff that he's gone through and you want to say, Paul, why do you continue to, why would you want to go somewhere else where they're going to bind you? You've already been bound. You've already paid the price for that. You've already done all that. Why, why, why aren't you just somewhere enjoying life and and going to a retirement village somewhere for retired apostles and just, and just living, and living the good life and finishing up your life there. Why aren't you doing that? He says, I'm not doing it because the love of Christ constrains me. How can you quit preaching when there's still souls to be preached to? 
How can you retire to a retirement village and sit there and talk about how good it was whenever God still got a call on your heart to do something great? I know Ricky suffered a stroke here several years ago and it's left him a little bit incapacitated in some areas which we believe that God's going to completely heal him and restore him 100%. But I want to tell you something. The love of Christ didn't cause him to go down and sit at that house and bemoan all his troubles. The love of Christ didn't cause him to just quit and say, well, I guess it's done for me. I'm just going to sit down here and do what I can do and live out the rest of my life. He, he didn't suddenly just say, well, you know, I've done the best I could and raised my son and now I'm just going to enjoy my grandkids. You know what he told me? He told me that while he was recovering from that stroke, one day the Lord came and sat at the end of his bed. Is that right? Sat at the end of his bed. And, and he talked to the Lord. And the Lord started telling him some things that he wasn't done with him yet. And Lord willing, next Sunday morning, we're going to hear a new song that he's written. You know why he continues to write songs? You know why he continues to try? You know why he continues to come on the platform? You know why he continues to do that, those things? Oh, oh you would think, well, God didn't heal him. God didn't give him complete everything. He's, he's still having trouble. He lost his good-paying job. Now he's, now he's living on disabilities. He's having these. His, Teresa had to go to work. We had all these things. You know, I've been faithful to you, Lord. Why is this happening to me now? I'm telling you why it's happening to you now. It's because you live in this world. And you live in this world and bad things are going to happen to you and you're going to have troubles and you're going to have trials and you're going to have difficult situations. But I want to tell you that I know the God that's over the difficult situations. I want to tell you that the love of Christ will cause me to continue preaching as long as God allows me to have a place to preach and I'm going to continue doing it. Why? Because the love of Christ constrains me. He's going to continue to write songs. Why? Because the love of Christ constrains him. You're going to continue to teach your Sunday school class even if nobody's in it. Why? Because the love of Christ constrains me. I know that I'll be a conqueror if I let Jesus shine through. But if you're doing it for any other reason, eventually it's going to flow through your hands like sand. And you're going to wonder why you wasted so much. You, you know, I hear, I hear a phrase popular among 20 to 30-year-olds right now. And they're saying this. They're saying, well, you know, we were taught this way in our Assemblies of God church. We were brought up this way and we saw these things. And in some cases, these kids have even been used in the gifts of the Spirit. But now they're saying, you know what? We have to deconstruct our beliefs so that we can reconstruct them on something that's more sensible, more modern, more what we're in line with. And I want to tell you something. My beliefs are based upon my love of Christ. And my love of Christ caused me to follow the things that are written in that book. And if you're going to start deconstructing them, then you're telling me you're going to start deconstructing that book. Because if I'm preaching something besides that book, then I'm a heretic and a liar. But as long as I'm in that book, I'm safe. And I try to stay in that book because the love of Christ constrains me to stay in that book. 
And if you start deconstructing it and start saying, well, I don't know that I really believe this and I don't know that I really believe that and I don't think you have to do all that and I don't think you have to do all this and, and I think that's overkill and, and all these things, I want to tell you something. What was the results of the things that happened to you as you were growing up? What was the results? I'll tell you one of my results. Whenever I was probably 10 years old, my parents, my, my dad came in one day. My mom came in, called us kids from outside, me and my brother Jay. Kids, come in. I told you I was raised weird, so you're going to see some of my insight now. My mom called us in from outside. She said, kids, come in. So we came in. We sat down like good little ducklings. And mom said, we don't have enough money to pay our house note. And we need to pray that God will supply our house note or we're going to lose the house. Well, I thought I was fixing to be on the street at 10. Uh, man, you never seen a, you never seen a 10-year-old cry and pray. Man, I was, I was bombarding heaven. I was snotting and everything. Man, I, was, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to live in the back of somebody's car. Man, I was, I was praying now. I was praying. This is how I was raised. I was praised. I was praying. And, and we've, we've, my dad got up, and I didn't know what he was doing, and he went over to a desk, and I didn't know what he was doing. And the minute he went out the door, and he came back. And we stopped praying. And mom and dad were talking and dad said, God told him to go write the check for the house note. And so he went and wrote it. And the Holy Spirit said, that's not faith. Anybody can do that. Put it in an envelope. Put a stamp on it. Put it in that box. You better make sure you heard from God when you hear that. And he did it. Wrote the check. Put it in the envelope put a stamp on it, took it out to the mailbox. Mailman came by, there it went. I happened to be outside. When dad went to the mailbox, my dad was not, you know my dad, he was a quiet guy. My dad, my mom's loud, my dad's quiet. <laughs> it's the truth, it's the truth. My mom's loud, her son is loud. My dad was quiet. I watched my dad go out to the mailbox get a puzzled look on his face, pull an envelope out, open it up, and it was an insurance refund for more than the check he had just written. That's the results I know of living for Jesus. That's the results I know from having a love for Christ. That's the results I know. And if you're going to deconstruct your faith, then you need to ask yourself, what results am I not getting from God that's causing me to want to change my mind? And if it's some physical or thing like that, that that's causing you to think you're wrong, then you need to, if it's anything besides the love of Christ, if you think that you can deconstruct your faith and somehow come up with something that pleases you better, then I'm going to tell you, Adam and Eve thought eating off the tree of knowledge was a good thing. They thought if they did something that pleased them, it would be good. Make them like gods. But it did nothing but got them kicked out of the garden. And I'm going to tell you today in closing that if you're trying to make religion to where it pleases you, to where it makes you happy, to where it gives you good results, to where it's something that you enjoy coming to all the time, that you love everybody, if that's what's important to you with religion, then I'm going to tell you, you're going to eventually eat off the tree of knowledge and you're going to find yourself on the out. But if your reason for being today is the love of Christ, my God, then you won't be disappointed. You won't have to reconstruct it if you're here because you love Jesus.
Stand with me this morning if you would. I'm going to confess something to you right now. When God put me there, when Mike was singing the second song and God gave me that verse, I read that verse and I suddenly said, I don't even know what that verse really means. I read the whole chapter. And the Lord stopped me. He says, all I want you to talk about is these four words. Just these four. So what you heard today is not something I concocted. It's not something I figured out. It's not something I built my notes around. What you heard today was the voice of the Holy Spirit as he encourages you to, to let the love of Christ constrain you to follow Jesus. Don't let errors and problems and situations cause you to lose out with God. But be like Job and say, though he slay me, though I may die and the worms eat my body, I know that I will see him with these eyes. Though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. Don't eat off the tree of knowledge. Eat off the tree of life. The love of Christ constrains me. Heavenly Father, thank you today, Lord God, for touching our hearts, oh God. Thank you today, oh God. <laughs> for helping me once again to understand, Lord God, that it's not about me. And Lord God, even though I have made errors, and even though, Lord God, I may not always do it exactly right, my God, even though there are times, oh God, when I know that you shake your head wondering if I'm ever going to come around to what I think you call me to be, even though I know Lord God, you look on my heart and you know it's the love of Christ that keeps me moving forward in you. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you don't look upon my outward appearance, but you look upon my heart. And you know that in my heart I love you. And I want to serve you. And I want to stand before you one day and hear you say, well done, well done. And God, I believe that's the heart of this congregation this morning, Lord God. And I pray this morning, Lord God, as we receive communion, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, God, would move within our soul. And that, Lord God, we would experience and know the love of Christ in deeper measures than we've ever known before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If I ask you to help me with communion this morning, would you please take your positions here? We're going to do this a little different this morning because I kind of want us all in the front. So what we're going to do is I've got two gentlemen at the end of each one of these three aisles. Uh, we're going to give them the emblems of the communion, and I'm going to get you to pass by them and take that. And then if you would, just stand down here at the front. If you need to be seated, if you'll just seat yourself on the altars. Um, and that's the way we're going to do communion. Come play for me, please.
No, just, just stand right there. That, yep. There you go. I know I'm, I'm confusing them because we're doing it different than normal. So it's So while you're coming, this is different this morning. Thank you, Will. Thank you very much. 
We're down here this morning, not just to receive the emblems, but we're down here this morning because of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world by him could be saved. What qualifies you and me to be able to stand here this morning feeling and experience the love of God rather than the pit that he pulled us out of? See, I was in the darkest pit. That's the pit of religion. I was in the pit where I knew what everybody should do and nobody was right but me. I wasn't trained that way. I just became that way. And one day God helped me to see that it wasn't my goodness that made me worthy. It was his son. All of my goodness was as filthy rags. But he made me pure. He gave himself for me. It's his love that constrains me to follow him. We're gonna, I'm going to sing this. We, I want you to sing this song with me. Those of you that are un, younger won't know it. Those of you that are older will know it. But you can figure it out. It's pretty simple. It simply goes like this. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. wash away, wash away anything between this congregation and you, oh God. Cleanse us, oh God. Wash us, oh God. Renew the love of Christ within our souls, oh God. And let that love constrain us, oh God, to follow you. My God, take this whole world. Take this whole world. But let me have Jesus. My God, take this whole
I'm not sure I know all the words of this song, and after we sing this, we'll take communion. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches second verse, all the words to it. Do you know it? I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus. There are, there's where I go blank. Da, 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 da. <laughs> than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this bread, O oh God, that symbolizes the love of Jesus Christ. For he so loved the world that he left the splendors of heaven and took upon himself the form of a man because he loved mankind and gave himself for us. Thank you, Lord God, for a body that was bruised and beaten, God. Lord, your word says that his face was so marred that he wasn't even recognized as human. Thank you, Lord God, for hands that spread wide upon a cruel cross. Thank you for blood that came down. Thank you, Lord God, for the broken body of Jesus Christ that we celebrate today. For, Lord God, with it, he bore our sicknesses, our diseases, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, all borne by him. And, Lord God, I thank you today, God, that this symbol of bread represents the broken body of Christ. And we partake it today, God, in expectations of healings, of deliverances, of power and of anointing. And we receive it today in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Take with the bread if you would. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I thank you today for the cup, Lord. (laughs) 
Lord, you said the next time you partake of this cup, it'll be whenever we partake together in glory. <laughs> and God, I pray that that's soon. Oh, I want to see you. Look upon your face. There to live forever. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. God, I thank you, Lord God, for this cup. And I pray today, Lord God, that as we receive this cup, we receive it in victory, Lord God. We receive it in anointing. We receive it in power. We receive it in love, oh God. For you have never left us nor forsaken us. And I thank you for the love of God that caused Jesus to stay up on a cross. I thank you for a love of God that resurrected him on a third day. I thank you for the love of God that caused him to ascend up in the heavenlies of heavens. I thank you for the love of God, oh God, that caused him to present his blood. I thank you for the love of God that satisfied the judicial requirements, oh God, so that I could be back accepted into your fold, oh God, through the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, we receive it today, Father. Let your love constrain us today, God. Let your love grow in our hearts. Let your love, oh God, be strong within our beings, oh God. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name and for your glory. May we partake of the cup today. <laughs> Wish I knew the words of that. <laughs> I think it's in this book. I know y'all won't know it. Real quick. Huh? I have, I, you already seen my ability to recall words. I know most of it. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite child and forever I am redeemed 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 by the blood of the lamb redeemed redeemed his child and forever I am I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight who's lovingly guarded my footsteps, who giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. Amen. God bless you today. Hallelujah. I hope you feel redeemed and loved. I hope you feel in love. There's nothing greater than to be in love. You know that? Young love is the greatest thing there ever was. And thank God for the love of Jesus Christ that's young every day. Heavenly Father, bless this congregation. Be with them, O oh God. Rest their bodies this afternoon and bring them here tonight, Lord God, at the appointed hour that we might once again come into your presence, Father. I ask these things in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Ghost we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you back tonight at 6.